We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, sadly, we are starting the recap season off with a loss. The Nets lost their home opener to the New Orleans Pelicans, 130-108, in a pretty pitiful performance. We're going to jump into that and plenty more, but how are we doing, Jack? I understand why Katie asked for a trade now. Nah, I don't <laughs> want to start the season off that way, but maybe. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is only one game of the season, and there were some positives to take away, but also some massive negatives. Um, and quick reminder, make sure you follow the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, where do you want to start with this one? We start with Ben 10, Nick. The discussion should we start we with had... Ben 10, or should we start with the first quarter? Yeah, look, we can start with, I think, both are interrelated, because I think yeah. the first quarter was disjointed. There was yeah. just... Uh, an element like, you know, shots were short. Katie was missing things. Everyone was missing things. The the, the sets weren't happening. Nine and turnovers in the first like, quarter. There was a lot of turnovers. They had like six points or four points up like halfway through the quarter. They couldn't get into any sets. The spacing wasn't there. Obviously, Simmons and Clax weren't working together. And Simmons and, and, and Clax worked his way into the game. But it was just very, it was just disjointed in, in so many different facets. Yeah, and that's really where the Nets pretty much put themselves in a hole because they lost the first quarter 32 to 14. And like you said, they just were very tight, you know, just like turnovers, um, just not communicating, not playing with high energy. Everyone kind of like a step slow where New Orleans kind of came in there and just smacked the nets in the mouth and went at it physically hard. And they were able to really dominate them in the paint, but it kind of tied into Ben they got Simmons. out rebounded Nick 61 to 39. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, second chance points were huge in this game, too, for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, just overall, the the paint was just dominated by the Pelicans. And some of that, obviously, is just going to be physicality that the Nets can't necessarily match with some of their lineups. But at the same time, it was the mentality of them not gang rebounding and not, you know, helping in there and it kind of leaving it. A lot of guys in one-on-one situations where they'd have good defense on Zion and contest the shot, he missed the layup. Well, Valanciunas comes and grabs a rebound, you know, puts it in, or Zion gets his own rebound and gets easy points. I think that's where you saw a level of frust- frustration. And the exact number for second chance points, Jack, is thirty-six to four. Oh, Jesus. That's the game right there. That's really the game right there. You know, you look, you know, thirty-two point differential. 
That's insane. Like the two stats we just alluded to, the Nets look like babies. They look like <laughs> kids out there in comparison. Zion was sunning them. Jonas Valanciunas, Larry Nance Jr. We were getting treated like goddamn children, like the children that I'm teaching right now that were losing their minds at Jar Moran as we were watching basketball. But it was just an absolutely overwhelming performance from the Pelicans, and the Nets just had no response. They were getting bashed and, 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 and crashed, and the Nets had no response. And Steve Nash had little responses as, as the coach as well. You know, Royce O'Neal was okay. Clax was okay. Katie was okay. But some of the other Nets guys, and, and Patty Mills was okay as well. But Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, the Nets' second and third best players, were pitiful. And Ben Simmons, I mean, we were going to have a discussion to start the podcast with Nick, but maybe I need to let you cool it down a little. <laughs> oh, look, I, I, I'm, I'm still up, mate. I mean, the weather's <laughs> quite nice down here in Australia now. We're, we're headed into spring and it is quite warm and sunny. But there was nothing hot about Ben Simmons. He was Arctic cold. And he wasn't Arctic cold in the fact that, like, he was missing shots. Like, he was two of three from the field. Hooray for Ben Simmons. He was so timid. He was. If you look up timid in the dictionary, a face of Ben Simmons is splattered all over it. You don't even need the words. You've seen the photo of Ben Simmons. That's how timid he was today. We got back two podcasts, two recaps ago, and we're talking about Ben Simmons' mentality and how we're worried about it. And then he responds and he's saying he's self-aware. He's showing a semblance of accountability. He speaks before today's uh, game, speaking about, you know, how his mentality is going to drive the game. You know, Steve Nash is like, you know, he's going to drive us. You know, it's about his aggression. It's about my mentality. What do you put it like? If you know what's wrong, it's like he has similar issues to what Steve Nash has had in the past where it's just like, you guys know what's wrong. Like, you're not dumb. Then, like, why are you doing the complete opposite to what to remedy the situation? It's it's infuriating because Ben Simmons produced a very good performance in the final preseason game. Well, not the final preseason game, a couple of preseason games ago. And then we just see this where it's just three shots and failing out in 23 goddamn minutes and... He gets the ball, and look, he's scared, Nick. He looks yeah. genuinely scared. He's a deer in headlights. It's just like he doesn't want the ball in his hands, and the game of basketball is played with a basketball, and Ben Simmons doesn't want to have the basketball in his hands. Yeah, and I think not even more importantly than that is he does not want to step foot in the paint. You know, he does not want to get in the paint. He doesn't want to attack, apply pressure. And like you said, we had the the quote before the game, you know, I have to be the motor of this team on both sides of the ball, you know, be aggressive, blah, blah, blah. And he was essentially the opposite of that. And there were opportunities in lanes for him to go inside and, you know, take a shot at the rim. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we talked about before we hopped on, like if Ben went two of 10, I would feel better than the two of three, just knowing that he's applying some level of pressure on the rim. You're missing those shots. You're eventually going to make them because we know you can. It's the fact that he's so timid and that hurts the team and, and essentially becomes playing four on five. And that was really an issue. And you saw that instantly. There was just a lot of congestion in this game. Even with the opening set, the Nets weren't able to really get a great look. And, you know, we talk about how, you know, great players need to positively impact their teammates and kind of raise their game. Ben Simmons tonight lowered the game of his teammates by his lack of aggressiveness and lack of impact offensively and defensively. He didn't necessarily have an amazing night either on Zion. And obviously some of that's not his fault, but at the same time, you need to find a way to be in a positive impact for your team. I think Royce was a better defender on, on, on Zion tonight. You know, I, I thought Royce was, I thought Claxton was great on Zion. Actually, I I look, Clax is pretty good as well. And Ben Simmons is supposed... If he's not impacting on defense, Nick, then what is he doing? Because 
He had five assists. He had five assists and I had five rebounds. But you know, Royce O'Neal had seven rebounds and, and three assists. And and Kyrie Irving had five assists. And Kyrie Irving at least put up nineteen shots. So Kyrie Irving's not gonna go he's not gonna die trying. You know, he's not gonna die without, you know, putting it without up. Without trying, like, yeah. Without trying. Sorry. Yeah. I'm I'm hot. I'm hot as you alluded. <laughs> I need to cool down. I need a, I need a bit of water. My water bottle I left it out. I should probably go grab it. I'm gonna be dehydrated by this end of this pod. But in saying that I just want Ben Simmons to ha- to be the Ben Simmons that we know he can be, and 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 I'm glad that in in, in we're looking at a glass half full situation that happened in game one, because yeah. now you're like, okay, it's happened there. This is as bad as you can be within the Brooklyn Nets system. We've seen how good you can be, and I get I get sort of like coddling him and and making sure that he's good mentally, but he's he's saying that he's he's fine, like he's looking physically fine, like. There needs to be a semblance of accountability, like Ben, do something, like yeah. KD, like behind the scenes, yell at him, you know. <laughs> and just, my guy, you need to do something off the short roll. You you can't just be, be like oh, you actually need yeah. the short roll because there was plays in this game where he'd set a pick and he'd fade to the three point line where he's a non existent threat. Like at least on some of the short roll plays, he can make that next pass, but he wasn't even doing that consistently. Like you said, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't wanting to be involved in the play a lot. He wanted to make the first initial pass and then kind of get out of the way. And like, he loves to just set dribble handoffs. But at the same time, if you're never driving to the rim, it's not as big a deal. You know, it's a lot easier to deal with if the other team doesn't view you as a threat. No, he was, he was as non-threatening as a a mouse. Well, I don't know. He he was just, it was just striking. Like about like just how you know lost he, he, he just yeah. seemed to be and we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We have, we got a quote from Steve Nashier in relation to Ben Simmons fouling out as, as rusty, according to Chris Mulholland. He reiterated his support for Simmons while he gets his legs under him, adding he's seen glimpses of the player we know he can be in the preseason. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And But he's fouled out now like two – is it two games in a row, Nick? Yeah, yeah, two games so in a row because it was against Minnesota and Carl Anthony Towns. That's more than Russ. Like that's a that's now a habit almost. Yeah. Like if you – if it's a one-off, then like you know, it's an aberration. But like Ben Simmons' feel for the game, you know, seems like I, I get it. He hasn't played a lot of basketball in a very long. time. He hasn't time. played in I think they said like four hundred and twenty-five days. But you know, who hasn't played in a long time either. Zion Williamson, and he looked like it was just like a love and life. He was having fun. He was throwing up the biceps and stuff. Ben Simmons needs to get his joy back. He needs to get in a in in the space where it's just like I want to get to the line. I I don't yep. care if I miss it because at home you're you're not going to get the booze, the relenting booze. You're not going to get when you go into Philadelphia the the relentless nature of the opposing crowd. At home, we are going to support you as Nets fans. We will still going to support you in these times right now if you are putting on the black and white. But we're going to criticize you if you've shown us. As Steve Nash said, glimpses of the player we know he can be, then do it when it matters. I don't yeah. care. Like, the preseason is done. We know that Ben Simmons, he shot some floaters. He was going to get, like, throwing high off the glass. You know, there was a couple of these, like, going, all right, th- there's the Ben. There he is. He's showing, like, a run, an offhanded, like, the right-handed floater. Like, just do something, Ben. Like, like you alluded to, Nick. If he's hate, I said this on Twitter. I've said this on the podcast. It's about his free throw attempts and his field goal attempts. The rebounding, the assists—that that's easy for him. That's that's second nature. And in a team that has as much offensive talent as the Nets do, I could get it like five assists on a night. But I can't get like ten shot attempts, and I can't get to the line five to ten times. Do some James Harden shit. Like get be a grifter. Like and if you miss all your free throws, cool. But it at least is putting pressure and putting the opposing team into the bonus, which allows us to get some easy buckets for, say, KD, some easy buckets for Kyrie, some easy buckets for other guys uh, out there on offense. But he was emblematic of why the Nets were so poor tonight. And he was probably poorer than Kyrie. And I think that, you know, if we're ranking them out of 10, you know, Ben 10 certainly was far from his number tonight. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely probably close to the other end of the spectrum. And like you said, you know, I think Ben's just overall negative impact on his teammates, and that's not obviously purposeful, but just not being aggressive is hindering them more, where even with Kyrie missing all the shots that he missed tonight, he still is, you know, has a level of gravity to him, where the other team is trying to restrict him. And you saw Herb Jones on him a lot in this game, too. So, you know, it's not like he wasn't getting attention. And moving to Kyrie, obviously, he finished this game with 15 points. He was 6 of 19 from the field, 0 of 6 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, did have 5 assists and 2 rebounds. I think my other issue with Kyrie probably in this game is just his lack of 
involvement during certain spans. And that's kind of was my issue during the Boston series is where he just kind of fades out of the game. And some of that's on the nets, not getting in the ball, but some of that's like, Hey, you're Kyrie Irving demand the ball. And, and I think in that sort of sense, there is a, there is an acclimation process. We'll give yeah. this team, you know, five, 10 games or whatever, but it may Udoka's out there. So hopefully Joe Sy can make some calls and, you know, I don't think he's going to be coming back to, to Boston after you know, what Joe Manzula, whatever the heck his name is, is, is doing over in, in Beantown. But yeah, in all honesty, Nick, I think the one thing that always plagues Kyrie when he has poor games is trying to do too much yep. and being overly aggressive with his shot taking overly aggressive with his individual defense and, and foul proneness and, you know, trying to get steals and, and, and certain things here and there. But that's, that's a mentality I would much prefer my players to have. Yeah. It's, I me, it's my, it's, it's showing me that they care and they want to do something, but they're just not executing correctly. Whereas, yeah. You know, there there is a, a, a for poor execution. It, I I rate higher than no execution or no not an ability to want to try at all. Like it's like the old Homer Simpson you know quote Nick, where Homer's like to his kids, he's like, "You tried and failed miserably. The lesson is never try." Ben Simmons <laughs> took that to heart tonight. It felt like. Yeah, yeah. I I mean that's fair to say. I think just because you mentioned this in the past, he's almost like scared to fail he wants to look cool instead of you know missing shots and having you know a bad shooting game instead of just going out there and trying to you know dunk on guys so it's almost like if you could create a balance between the two mindsets and I think with Kyrie sometimes it's like he takes shots that aren't super tough shots for him but just like get to the line get inside finish inside because I think you know if I broke down his numbers on a shot chart I would say he finished almost all of his attempts in the paint. It was really a lot of the stuff outside of the paint or obviously the the six missed threes. Yeah, so look, both of them were poor tonight, but they were poor for different reasons. And yeah. I, I mean, I've ran, I've ranted and, and rambled a lot as I as I tend to in the Nets losses on this podcast, Nick. Is there and, and any semblance of objectivity here? Because I, I was lucky enough to to watch you know large portions of the game, you know, throughout work today. But I also, like, when the Nets were engaged defensively, you know, and, and they were creating defense from offense, especially from the likes of Nick Claxton, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, you know, you just saw glimpses where I'm like, okay, at the half, you know, the Nets were down by, like, eight. And yep. they had momentum after Kevin Durant's block on Brandon Ingram. He hit his pull-up three, and it's just like, okay, KD's heating up. Now the rest of the team is going to follow him. But few did. Yeah, they really didn't. And they just weren't able to get that... Uh- other initial burst of scoring. You know, if it wasn't really Kevin Durant, they weren't really getting much of a spark. You know, Patty Mills had a couple threes off the bench. I think this kind of gets to Steve Nash a little bit is even though Cam Thomas was not necessarily playing super great in that first half, he was part of that little run that they made in the second quarter, just giving the Nets another ball handler, another playmaker out there. I thought he was a guy that probably should have saw minutes in the second half over a guy like Edmund Sumner. Okay, this is um, a frustrating quote for, from Steve Nash, Nick, via Matt Brooks. Steve Nash says that tonight was, quote, fresh and new for this group, going against the level of competition that New Orleans brings to the table. Now, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum have never freaking played together. Like, what were... Uh, just, 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 just take over for a sec, Nick. I legitimately <laughs> need to cool down before I say something too loud and I lose my job and I swear in front of children. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is reminiscent of the things that we heard last year. You know, obviously, oh, this is preseason for this team, blah, blah, blah. Steve Nash kind of continued to make excuses. 
I think there's a level of, you know, excuse that works for certain things. But when you're getting out rebounded and just beat in the paint, they're just more of effort and energy and simpler things. You know, they're not necessarily related to the cohesion of the team. You know, Jonas Valanciunas and Zion didn't get a ton of offensive rebounds because they have a great history together. They got it because they outworked the nets in the paint. I think there's just things where, you know, you have to address them in a certain way. No, then, and that's that's saying something. It, it's saying something that Patty Mills was better than Ben Simmons tonight, Nick. And after yeah. all the slander that Patty's gotten in the preseason and offseason, and some of it has been warranted. In fact, a large portion of it has been. But he was he he completely and totally outperformed, you know, his fellow Aussie brethren. But Kyrie Irving echoed your sentiments, Nick, as well via Matt Brooks. Kyrie said this: "We have to improve on these areas that are considered weaknesses right now, and that's boxing out and the little things." Despite the fact that Nick Claxton had 10 rebounds and Daron Sharp had eight rebounds, Daron Sharp's going to rebound the basketball. But man, there are people out there, and if you're on Nets Twitter, then uh, if you're a Daron Sharp fan, that I would not go on the timeline. Uh, do you think that? What did you think of Daron Sharp tonight, Nick? Yeah, obviously, I had my concerns about Daron Sharp going into the season, and I felt like those, you know, concerns were valid and. They were apparent tonight. I think when you have a big man who's one of eight from the field and all of his attempts are essentially inside except one from three and they're bunnies, you know, a lot of them weren't even contested. They were just missed layups. And obviously that's not the main reason they lose the game, but that's just different pressure points during the game where the Nets could have had success. And as good as a rebounder Dayron Sharp is, he had five offensive rebounds and only three defensive. So it's not like he was cleaning up the defensive boards and being great out there. I think defensively, you saw a lot of his issues. You know, there's a play that sticks out where he fouled Zion, where he's staring at him for three seconds instead of taking the step inside and just putting his hands up and eliminating that space. He tries to make a play with his hands instead of his feet. And that's always an issue in basketball. So Dayron tonight looked like he's, you know, not capable of being a backup center. Again, it's only one game. And we mentioned the preseason and definitely be matchup dependent, but the concerns for him in the rotation are definitely valid. And I think it's also just like his lack of rim protection. Yeah, he had a block or two in this game, but he's he's not necessarily this amazing threat out there. And I think that's where he's just not doing enough. Like being a great rebounder isn't a good enough reason to be on the floor. Yeah, it relates to our season preview when we're talking about weaknesses about the Nets team. And we said front court depth and we said rim protection. And both of those things, you know, were on show tonight. You know, we didn't mention the fact that they would get out like bullied by uh, the Pelicans tonight. But, you know, Mark Keith Morris maybe could have had some more minutes, like three minutes for him. He hit a three ball. I th- and then we just didn't see him at all. You know, Yudawatanabe, nine minutes. You know, I, I think that. And most of those came in garbage time, too. And all of them were pretty much in garbage time. Yeah, that, that's true as well. So I think Dayron Sharp has a lot to learn as a yeah. young big man in the NBA and going up against you know a pretty big team. And you know when you got Jonas Valanciunas, you you got you know Larry Nance Jr. You know these sort of guys. Just those a guys very talented team in, gen- in general. You know down the list, there's just a lot of guys that can shoot the ball, handle the basketball, and make plays out there, and that just you know causes you to switch things up. And also the Pelicans do a great job pushing the pace, so you get a lot of mismatches. But the Nets should be doing that, Nick, because no, Ben Simmons should. should have been doing that. Like. Like that's literally the identity that we want this team to be, and that, that Steve Nash wants his team to be, and then the whole team wants this team to be is to push the pace and you know, get out in transition, you know, move it quickly, put pressure on the defense. But it was the 
the Pelicans doing that completely tonight. And you know, full full credit to them, but the Nets could have done better. They had very fleeting moments where things did work for them. And a lot of that was Kevin Durant, Royce O'Neal, and Nick Claxton, as we alluded to, and to a lesser extent, Patty Mills. But did seeing tonight's game, Nick, against a team as big and as physical and as strong as a Pelicans team make you go down the route of, man, the Nets really do need another big guy? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, we talked about it. We talked about it in the previous, we talked about it over the summer. There has to be a move made before the deadline adding another, you know, big to this team. You know, be it... Uh, somebody in the buyout market or, you know, making a bigger move in the trade. And obviously the success of this team is going to be dictated more by the play of Ben Simmons, which obviously wasn't up to scale. So all the other things are important, but at the end of the day, if your stars aren't playing well, that's going to have a bigger impact. But again, I think trying to build around Ben is hard right now as well as because you don't know how aggressive he's going to be by the end of the year. And if he's not going to be very aggressive, it's going to just, cause problems across the board and you're going to have to make upgrades just because of his deficiencies but if he can take that next step forward then it opens up more avenues for the team yeah i think it's the leash is you know how long is it and Kyrie irving has had a really great quote and this is via brian lewis he said Kyrie irving on ben simmons failing out as we told him in the locker room, he's a valuable piece for us and we need him out there. And fouling out is not an option. Playing aggressive is something that we want him to do, but we also want him to play smart. That's that's exactly and 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 I think that's that's fine to not like sort of dent his confidence as well because I think in some some circles Ben has been called fragile and such and look that's fine everyone can have their mental health and and, and want to have be confident and want to feel loved but you also need to hear some hard truths sometimes and the way Kyrie Irving said that I think is a really poignant way of saying it you got to be better you've got to be smarter you know <laughs> we're, we're talking him up as a possible defensive player of the year candidate and you're failing out in 23 minutes and you're taking a couple of shots look the the offense is the offense and that's a mentality thing but you you you've got to at least produce when it comes to your bread and butter. Give us a, a steal and slam. Create some offense from yourself from your defense. You know, push yourself yeah. more. And I think the bigger issue is some of the fouls. You know, where they're not necessary fouls. You know, you're gonna being a great defender, you're gonna pick up fouls all the time, and the refs are gonna get calls wrong. And probably the call he fouled out on wasn't a great call, but the call before that, when he's you know swiping at Jonas Valanciunas at the top of the key for really no reason. You know, that's just a foul that you can't afford to give up given your status on this team. So I think he just has to be better, you know, not to just continue to pile on Ben Simmons. He just, you know, has to kind of step up. And some of this was a little bit expected first regular season game and him being super nervous out there. No, and, and look, we can talk about Ben until the cows come home, but to get back to Steve Nash a little bit here, Nick, and, and what he could have done to control the outcome of this game, the immediate, I was immediately worried when... Look, Paddy Mills was the first guy off the bench, and he played well, so that's uh, that's somewhat of a tick. But he played alongside Kyrie Irving and Edmund Sumner in some decent stretches of basketball. So you're essentially playing 6-4 Edmund Sumner as your three? Like, what is this, the OKC days of Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and and, and Shea Gildas-Alexander? That, ma- that made no sense at all. Yeah, and some of that time, I believe, was with Ben Simmons and Daron Sharp. So that's just... No spacing! Like, yeah. it's Kyrie Irving and Patty Mills? What? Like, I get that the Nets are limited in their space and when you have your two best three-point shooters injured. Like, I understand that. But Yuta Watanabe is right there. Like, he's right there. Cam Thomas is right there. And Cam got a little bit of a run tonight, and I thought he was actually decent, despite the fact that he did go one of four from the field. But 
the combinations that Steve Nash showed out there tonight showed that his growth as a coach still has a long way to go if if we get, give him that chance and if the Nets organization gives him that chance. Yeah, I wasn't sure why Edmund Sumner was getting so many minutes in this game um, just because he didn't look great. He obviously doesn't have a great three-point shot, just coming off an injury. Uh, Cam Thomas, I thought, was probably better than him in the second quarter stint that we saw him in, even though the one of four wasn't great. I believe two of those misses came in garbage time, so he's really like one and two in the game and had a nice pass. I thought defensively he was competing. But also you sign, you bring Utah on this team to play him in matchups like this. You bring him on this team when you were going against really big teams and you need to have more length out there. And there's really not necessarily a, a great difference in Edmund Sumner and Utah's offensive impact. Obviously, Sumner can handle the ball, drive a little bit better, but Utah's probably a better three-point shooter. He is a better three-point shooter. Yeah, I think he was that's five, of ten, in, five of ten in the preseason, yeah. something like that, yeah. So I think career-wise, they're pretty close to the same. But... I, w- I have more faith in Utah knocking down threes, and I have more faith in him having a defensive impact and also helping on the boards. You know, he's a guy that does do the dirty work. So I thought that was strange, not really r- riding with him a little bit more. You mentioned earlier, you know, Marquise Morris in the two minutes he played. You know, I thought he was good enough. I I saw him get beat backdoor two times, so maybe that's why he was benched. But at the same time, he's a vet. Talk to him, let him know, like lock in. Because he's just a bigger body, brings a little bit of toughness in which you really could have used. Yeah, I, I think that like 23 minutes, oh, sorry, 19 minutes for Edmund Sumner is just like way too inflated. 23 for Dayron Sharp. It's just in your opening game, like I, I think Steve Kerr in, in their matchup against the Lakers went like 11 deep. And and the Nets did, you know, pretty close to that as well going towards it. Obviously, some of it was junk time with Kessler Edwards um, to an extent as well. But, you, you know, throw a few things at the wall. You know, rather than sort of going expecting a different result from the same you know wrongs that are happening. So, look, we've got another game you know coming up soon, and hopefully we we put this one behind us. And, and the Raptors, who you know are, are are a team on a similar level to the Pelicans, but yeah, Steve Nash has to do better in his his home country at, at the very least because the rotations tonight were were were, were bad. They were bad. Yeah, uh, definitely improvement there. I think I I think let's. And on a positive note with the guys that played well, KD started this game off, I believe, 2 of 9 or 2 of 7, finished 11 of 21 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, 8 of 9 from the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 4 blocks, and 32 points, 4 turnovers. I thought he looked great when he was a help defender. You know, he wasn't great on Brandon Ingram, but KD's obviously 34 years old. He's exerting a lot of energy offensively. You can't really ask him to be a lockdown guy consistently throughout the regular season. So Kevin Durant played up to his standard, I thought, in this game. Royce O'Neal, I thought, did everything that we expected him to do. There's a stretch in the first quarter where he essentially saved the Nets from going down 20, where he had almost four steals in a matter of like 90 seconds. And then Nick Claxton, you know, started a little slow, but he he got hot. I thought he had a great impact in that second quarter. I thought offensively he was confident. He was not scared to go to the free throw line. We saw him put the ball on the floor and drive to the rim, have a nice little finish, finish with 10 rebounds, seven defensive, two blocks. And like I mentioned earlier, I thought he was great on Zen in that one-on-one matchup and really used his length to block his shots. You know, he was patient where Ben was a little bit over aggressive in terms of trying to get the strip. No, and I think that you you were the best thing that Steve Nash did tonight, Nick, was 
playing Kevin Durant 32 minutes rather than playing, yeah. keeping him out there for 35, 36 in a game where that, that shouldn't be happening. And he he worked his way into the game. You could just tell. Like, there were just shots that weren't falling and the shots that he normally takes, and then they started falling. Royce, I thought, was a catalyst for the Nets, you know, actually trying to get back into the game. His energy on both ends of the floor. You know, he was he showed physicality. He was hitting the three ball. He wasn't afraid to get, you know, he he, he put the ball on the floor as well and, and got to the to the rim a couple times too. And and Clax is improving and, and he's showing the maturation as a as a starting center. It's just it's it's annoying that we didn't see, you know, a a, a positive performance on him him alongside Ben Simmons in that sort of front court sort of tandem, you know, the sort of switchability that, you know, we know those guys can sort of have. But th- those guys were good. And Patty, four of nine from three as well, was uh, was another positive from him as well. 16 points um, and five of 10 from the field and, and hit two of his free throws as well. Those were the positives from the night, Nick. And despite the fact that we listed, you know, three, four decent sort of positive things um, from some of our guys, the Pelicans just overwhelmed the Nets in, in so many different facets. Yeah, and like we talked about, it really came down to the second chance points. You know, when you're getting beat in that category by 32 points, you're not going to win many games. And the Pelicans, I believe, knocked down more threes than the Nets as well. Shot 46% from three, while the Nets only shot 30, 30% from three. Just a lot of disasters across the board, you know, and even lost a turnover battle 16 to 12. You know, we talked about a lot in these recaps. If you're not winning almost any categories, you're not going to win the game. Yeah, they didn't They like hit 10 threes to 12 threes. They didn't get to the free throw. They hit the same amount of free throws. There's something there. There's a there's a win, but they took one less. So 18 to 24. <laughs> it was a tie. So look, let's put this one behind us, Nick. Hopefully we get some better things going forward. Yeah, it's one game in an 82-game season. The Nets need to bounce back, and this is kind of a good test for them to see what the resolve is like as a team and how guys like Ben Simmons and Kyrie perform against the Raptors and how Steve Nash adjusts. But, Jack, always a pleasure, and big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.